Welcome to Thursday Q&A, where I read and respond to your inquiries. All right, so today's episode is going to be deep. We're going to be going over three different inquiries. And these are previous inquiries that I've already had. Um, I've got many, many messages that I'm going to be using for these series, but I'm excited for the new inquiry. So again, send me anything that you would like to the email in the description below and tell me if you want to be anonymous or if you want to shout out. All of these today are going to be anonymous because they're previous ones. So I don't know if I have consent to share who they are. Um, uh, with that being said, today we're going to be talking about um, life after death and if you should go towards the light or not. We're going to be talking about dealing with growing up religious and now coming into the esoteric truths about life and how to deal with that. And, I'll gonna, and I'm going to be ending this with an awesome uh, story sent to me by somebody about a close encounter of the third kind. All right, so let's get into the first one. This is a message from a lovely lady. And here we go. Hello, Eddie. I patiently waited throughout the duration of your concrete podcast, shout out to Danny, for a completed thought. Earlier during that discussion, you touched on the fact that we do not have to be stuck in this reincarnation trap, continually being recycled back into this particular dimension slash realm of consciousness. And um, I want to know if we can break through that pattern. I am 76 and trying to find answers so that I will be better prepared at my death. I have heard it said that following the light is actually a con to keep us in the loop of reincarnation and that we should instead turn our backs to the light and go wherever that direction takes us. Please, Eddie, if you have any thoughts on this, please share. Thank you. I mean, wow, that is a very deep question. And again, I am honored that you think that I would have any real answers to that. But I'm here to help. I am here to help in any way that I can. So um, I already gave her a response. Again, this is an old message. So I'm going to just read my response to y'all verbatim and kind of break it down a little more. So I said, hello, thank you for your message. I commend you for your bravery and on preparing for your transition. I think that the practice of self-realization and staying as lucid of our inner self as possible will help in our passage through the door of death. Meditating into the sense of disconnecting from your body is a good practice for this. Also, practicing lucidly transitioning into your dreams as you fall asleep is a good practice for this as well. You can also listen to Robert Monroe's Hemisync tapes to help get your spirit body trained for these practices, of which I have the full first tape uploaded on my channel down below, and you can check it out as well. As far as the light, I think there is a falseness of this idea that's been perpetuated, but I think whatever comes your way, you should face it head on if given no other option. The hardest part about the spirit realm is not being able to navigate yourself, and this is mostly due to the fact that we do not practice using our spirit bodies and are not familiar with their mechanics, and therefore sit back as simply an observer of the astral realm like when we are dreaming. 
The stronger your connection is to the astral realm, the more lucid it is, the better chance you have at transitioning and maneuvering through it. Hope this helps. Thank you. Namaste. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a tough one, you know. We're all, we all going to have to go through that transition. And we're not all, all going to have the privilege of being able to um, ease into it, you know. Some deaths are instantaneous. Um, some happen while we're sleeping, you know. But regardless, I think that if you practice, I think if you practice going into self-realization and practice um, sensing that distinction between the mind and body and realizing that you are a mind, you are consciousness, and you are eternal, that you will have a better chance. You know, so you can, you can go into these practices that I mentioned, you know, practice easing into your dreams, practice meditating and creating that distinction, um, practice uh, attempting lucid dreaming and, and um, astral projecting. And one simple um, thing that I would use throughout my life, especially when I was younger, to kind of sense that distinction between the mind and body is using this strange technique uh, while meditating um, that I'll show you. And I don't know where I learned this, to be honest. I just used to do this, you know, when I was a kid. Um, I haven't done it in a while, but what I would do and what you can do is sit in any meditative pose that's comfortable for you and then create a circle with one hand with your index and thumb and then do the same with the other hand and then interlock those so as uh interlock those but but uh, don't allow your hands or fingers to touch so have those two circles there interlocked without touching while meditating and for some strange reason for me at least that uh energy between the two interlocked circles that are not touching would create this distinction of my mind and body I don't know why. I don't know what the science behind that is. Um, try it out. Tell me in the comments if it works for you too. Um, but that's just one small thing. But ultimately what you want to do is to create that distinction between the mind and body and fortify your mind, fortify your consciousness, your soul, and understand that that is who you are and, and that is who you are eternally so that when you do find death, um, you can maneuver through whatever is after this. And um, I don't, as far as the light, I don't think that we have the privilege of going straight to heaven or hell after this life. I think that is a, a naive assumption. I think that there are many different dimensions after this one before we can even reach the eternities of heaven or hell. And so um, I think uh, once we die, you know, there, we're going to meet these different dimensions. And in those dimensions, there are all sorts of, of beings and, and creatures waiting for us, you know, waiting to play games with us, waiting to trick us, and some waiting to meet us and, and to help us through these dimensions. So I think that there are different dimensions that we're going to go through first before we can even get to heaven or hell. And so again, it all starts with creating that distinction. And I think honestly, psychedelics might help too, you know, if you do this um, in a responsible manner, I think it'll help you understand how, what the astral realm is and how to transition through, through it. Anyways, I hope that helped. Let's get on to the second inquiry. So this one came to me through Instagram. And again, you can email me stuff or send me stuff on Instagram. Just have the subject or headline being um, Thursday Q&A so I know what to sift through. All right, so let's get into this one. 
Hi, Eddie. I hope your day is going great. I need some advice from you. For 20 years, I was born. I was a born-again Pentecostal, evangelical, fundamentalist Christian. Uh, whoa, that is a blender of things right there. I went to Bible college. I knew the Bible inside and out. Then a few years back, I began to study esoteric knowledge. I found it fascinating and still do, but I struggle because of being taught that the occult was witchcraft and of the devil. So now I, vac I vacillate between Christianity and the occult. It is a real cognitive dissonance for me. Sometimes I feel that I'm going insane. It is a very dualistic way of thinking. Anyway, I do not know what to do. I still believe in Jesus and so forth, but I also see the occult stuff as being truth. I'm very frustrated and aggravated and feel like giving up. Can you help me in any way? I have a lot of guilt and feel condemned all of the time because of Christianity and esotericism. I don't know how to overcome it. All right, this again is a huge predicament. And thank you for your inquiry. Sorry, just adjusting my mic here. Um, again, this is a huge question here, you know, huge predicament, and uh, thank you for your inquiry. So, I do have dealt with this throughout my life. I grew up in a Christian home, and I, I've had that guilt. I've had that guilt of questioning the Bible, questioning God, and you all know me, you know what I do. You know, I, my work is um, next to heinous and her heretical, but um, I believe what I said in my response to him. And so, um, I'm going to read you my response verbatim. Hello, thanks for the message. I have had a very similar journey growing up in a Christian home. I still believe in Christ too. I think as long as you lead into anything with that love for Christ, you'll be okay. God exceeds occult knowledge. Occult and esoteric knowledge are simply man's complex obscuring of God's simple truth. We don't need anything uh we don't really need any of the mysticism to know god and experience a great connection with it the dogma both on the church side and mystical side is a game a human game used to understand god in a deeper existential way but it's not necessary go with what makes you feel at peace and like you are truly communing with god and i believe that folks i think that you know this this stuff, this mysticism is not for everybody. It's not always going to lead you to a happy and healthy life. Matter of fact, it's most likely going to lead you to the opposite at first. And it did for me. I went through a psychosis during my early years of learning all of this stuff, a paradigm shift, a paradigm breaking. And so some people are better off just being a Christian, being, an is being a Muslim, being, a, being a, a Jew or whatever, you know? And so go with what makes you feel at peace. But if you really, really want to tackle the stuff and really want to understand this stuff at a deeper level, then I commend you for that as well. Go forth, but take time, you know, take small steps and, and ease into this stuff. Don't just dive deep into the rabbit hole and go crazy, you know. And I think it's okay to, to live on in both spectrums. You know, for me, I believe God made me to be this esotericist, this mystic, you know, because I personally have a burning desire within to know more, 
to go deeper. And I think God made me that way. Um, but it, it's a double-edged sword, you know, and that's why I love the story of Solomon, you know. Solomon prayed for, for nothing but wisdom, and because of that, God bestowed him riches, but those riches ended up being his downfall. And I sort of feel the same way, you know. Um, I, I did the same thing, actually, when I was a young kid. My mom handed me a Bible and told me the story of Solomon and said, if you're going to pray for anything, pray for the wisdom to understand the Bible. Pray for the wisdom to understand God's working. And so that's what I did. I got on my knees at about eight years old and I prayed to God and said, all I want is wisdom and understanding and knowledge. And he definitely answered. That's what my life has been about. That's what my life has revolved ever since is knowledge. But it's a double-edged sword, man. It comes with a lot of things. And so you got to be prepared for that. So um, don't worry. You know, don't, don't worry about... Uh, getting too deep into all of this stuff because at the end of the day man all these occult societies all these occult systems and symbols and whatever they're just dogma you know you don't need any of this all you really need to do is, is step outside and, and look around and feel grateful you know give praise and thanks and, and that that's enough man to, to live a happy life give praise and thanks and, and just know that there is a creator you know, but again, if you want to go deeper, you can always do that too. Anyways, so let's get into the final inquiry here. Um, this is going to take up some time, so I wanted to save this for last. This is uh, this came from uh, an amazing gentleman, and it is a story of his having to do with a close encounter of the third kind. So I'm going to read his message verbatim. It is eight pages, eight pages um, that I copy and paste it onto a Word document. So sit back, relax, check this out. Here we go. So I may be writing this letter in haste as I am just now setting down to listen to the podcast you did with Concrete. However, I don't believe that I am after hearing the introduction you gave of who you are. When I saw you also grab the moniker Eddie, I had to reach out to you. Call it a sign, but I was just kicking around that same name as a good YouTube call sign just last week on a walk home. I was thinking EDC, Eddie, or something. That bit isn't important. And no, I am not a religion guy. <laughs> cool, good. All right. The reason I am writing you, Eduardo, is to friendly say hello to you. Hello. I have been looking for someone like you since nearly 2010. Wow, it's interesting. That's right around the time I started really, really diving into this stuff. Without yet watching the podcast, but simply looking at the time-stamped topics you are covering and your demeanor, you are the one I have been looking for. Oh, man. I've gotten that multiple times. Again, I am just a ordinary guy with uh, unordinary passions, or superordinary passions, however that goes. Anyways, um, call it a premonition. I have a feeling that maybe if we both racked our brains together, it may be of mutual benefit. I understand also that you have a business to run, that I do, so I do not want to make this letter overly long-winded. Well, thank you for keeping it only eight pages, my guy. 
However, I also do not think you got to where you are now in life without turning over a few stones. Uh, turning over a few stones or turning over stoned? I don't know. One of the two. Anyway, as such, I'm not going to get into minute details as of yet purely in hopes that we may have a more thorough understanding of events and some form of future correspondence. And no, this is not some kind of business proposal, just the free exchange of information. All right. So, giving my information to someone in the UFO field or pick a field slash expert slash person has always been mostly futile. Most people don't have enough time spent researching such a wide breadth of topics slash fields to make heads or tails of any of it. On the flip side of that, we also have useless, over-educated idiots that are so focused on one or two fields, their knowledge is then basically useless to solve any greater mystery. Don't get me started on skeptics. <laughs> I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, so let me continue and you can decide whether I am worth your time talking to. Well, you obviously were because you're featured in the first Thursday Q&A. Alright. My story started nearly the same as yours, perhaps. Then I saw a massive UFO when I was about five or six. It was some miles away, apparently in the airspace above a local Air Force base in Missouri. Tea time. It was what appeared to be a massive green ball of plasma the size of the sun in the sky. It hovered there completely still, and then it shot down directly towards the earth and disappeared from view. Even being that young at the time, after witnessing the sheer size and how that object moved, I knew instantly what it was. A sighting like that isn't something you easily shrug off. It stuck to me. Bad. I now had to live the rest of my life knowing that something was out there bigger than us. But wait, there's more. You can skip ahead here until I was in my early years of college. It was 2010, and YouTube had been out for several years now. I learned on YouTube how to do what is now commonly called CE5 contact. Shout out to uh, Stephen Greer. Basically speaking telepathically daily to an alien. I also learned hypnosis from YouTube at this same point in time. I started having premonitions. Yeah, that early YouTube was was wild, man. I, I miss that like 2000 era. I call that 2010 era. I call it the uh, the pre 2012 YouTube era. Remember that when like everybody was gearing up for 2012, man. I love that, man. I miss that that pre 2012 era. It was like the Drunvalo Melchizedek era, the Bob Frisell era. I don't know, man. It was it was a whole thing. You had to be there, man. If you weren't there at pre twenty twelve YouTube Woodstock, you wouldn't know, man. Um. Anyways, getting back to this. This part, the meat and potatoes. I really think we should discuss more in depth. So I'm just going to bullet point it for now, and you then decide whether it's worth a follow up. I am also not including here any other esoteric, other, or UFO sightings I have had before or since. I have had plenty before and after, but the context of any of that is going to get lost in this format. And I'm sorry, but I'm giving you the quick and dirty, 
the quick and dirty, now in hopes I may maybe pique your interest. After learning these telepathic techniques and using them daily as was prescribed, I started having premonitions. I knew I was going to see a UFO craft so close to the ground that it could not be any other type of man-made or natural phenomena or something from NASA as my neighbor who witnessed it described it. I was also getting in, getting in my premonitions that my friend Connor would be involved and I was getting the number three. Suffice to say, the day came and we were witnessing two orbs of light, one a pinprick, one bigger. That came right down over slash beside my domicile, right over us, standing in the open air driveway behind the structure. I stayed in an apartment there with my girlfriend of the time, which was the basement level of a house, reached through a basement bulkhead and door. They stayed for a while, then they left the way they came. Uh, the orbs, I'm assuming. The neighbor we called down to look actually said, that must be something from NASA, and turned away from the orbs and went back up to their porch to watch the lightning storms in the distance. That act of stupidity of missing out on such a, for them, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity almost baffled me as much as the orbs themselves, as now I had been around them for a few minutes and had two witnesses and the adrenaline began to recede. That's all it took, though. Being not a dumbass and holding basic understandings of life and meditation, and I had made contact with intelligent life. Uh, okay. A probably 30-second PowerPoint on YouTube, and I had the secret. Okay, hold on. Let me, let me back up. So, for those listening, um, this gentleman stated in his letter that when he was young, he witnessed that huge thing that was the size of the sun, and then later back, Later in life, in 2010, he witnessed these two orbs and had two witnesses there with them. I guess his friend and, and his neighbor who just naively shrugged it off as something from NASA. I'm going to just start saying that. That must be something from NASA. Yep, that's all it is. You know? My girlfriend or whoever says, Hey, what are all these dishes doing here? Oh, that, that, that must be something from NASA. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so um, getting into this. So a probably 30-second PowerPoint on YouTube, and I had the secret. Also, during this time, I had rented all of the UFO and alien books from my local libraries. I read Communion. Love that book. I think everybody should read it. It is a chiller. The movie's fun to watch with Christopher Watkins. I mean, he's just like, why, dude? Why choose him? You know, it's just a fun, the aliens, the aliens are here. Hey, however you do that freaking uh, impression um and fire in the sky love that movie as well and that story it was about a three-month period of time from learning how to speak telepathically to aliens on youtube to having balls of light come down with practically within practically pissing distance but wait there's more <laughs> i'm not writing writing that by the way he, he's writing that which i think is funny so okay so this guy, he learned how to communicate to aliens telepathically through PowerPoint and YouTube. Cool, man. Sign me up for that class. Anyway, so three days later, this is what I want to discuss in depth with you so that you might gleam something I haven't, but I'm just going to be real quick and dirty. 
so you get the idea and we can move on afterwards. Like I said, I learned other techniques and saw many more thing later in life, but here's your diet slice of cake, brother. Mmm, thank you. I'm laying in bed next to my girlfriend and we are going to sleep. I remember I was doing some form of meditation or another beforehand and I wanted to try a new technique. It was another gem of knowledge that I picked up in the heydays of YouTube in my brief jaunt down this path. Instead of using, instead of the usual lines, I would think telepathically that I had developed from the first YouTube video that I used daily. I tried one from some old hippie or another trying to talk to a tree. I spoke telepathically, saying, Are you here to help? Or do you need my help? Punch my fucking ticket. As soon as I said that, I began sensing a spirit. It was like someone turned on radio static or an old TV with popcorn. It was not a auditory hallucination. I could hear it in my mind. Much louder than what I noted above. As soon as I said, are you here to help or do you need my help? The shit kicked on. At this point, I know I am dealing with an intelligent, otherworldly being, and I know they are close by in the house, and we are in communication in real time now. Okay. After realizing all this, I try asking rudimentary questions of this presence to establish I am in fact in communication with a nearby gray alien. I was having a faint or faint light in the vision of my closed eyes that I would try to make go to my left slash right side fields of vision corresponding with a yes or no. Kind of like a weird way of playing like the Ouija board, I guess. Yeah. It seemed like it might work, but I didn't know if I was creating or making the light move myself and I was unsure if I was even asking the right questions. It didn't matter though, because the static I was constantly hearing now changed to very rudimentary English. Please show me your ship. Please show me your ship. It kept repeating that over and over and over and over. All the words were drawn out, like they were having to force it mentally, kind of, like you do yourself when you send out the message, but much slower. Please show me your ship. You get the idea. I hope you're still reading because this is about where it gets kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. Please show me your ship. Sounds like a weird fetish that this alien has. It's just like, ah. Uh. Please show me your shit. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, that's just kind of funny. Like, what the hell? You don't want to see all my cool art, man? You don't want to see my Pokemon collection? Anyways. Uh, and those breaks are long pauses between the words. Like they are taking a breath for each word. Even though this is a static slash dynamic sound coming from inside my head. 
At this point, it is just repeating the same thing over and over and I'm stuck again. So I turn off the fan that is next to me and I wake up my girlfriend and I ask her if she can hear the voice in my head saying, please show me your ship. She cannot hear it at all. I figured as much and when she is certain she can't hear anything at all, I tell her to go back to sleep. As a side note here, I will note, I think something happened to me in the past span of three days before when I was sitting in bed, I heard an, an electronic popping sound to my left, which I assumed was some kind of tracking slash comms device they installed in my head. Another stone. Uh, okay. So this thing is just yapping at me at this point. P-S-M-Y-A-S. Or P-S-M-Y-S. Please show me your ship. Yo, man, I'm going to put that on a t-shirt, all right? So if we're going to do any business together, let's go half on half on this. Please show me your ship, lady. Okay, so it was saying this over and over. I'm telling it back or thinking aloud inside my head telepathically. I don't have a ship. I don't have a ship. The closest thing for me would be my car, which is parked in the driveway. It understood me and it continued, but this time I listened closer. It was saying, please show me your skin. What? Okay, yeah, at this point, man, I don't know if you're dealing with uh, a gray alien or, or Buffalo Bill. Please show me your skin? Uh, it said this loud and clear. Okay, I heard you that time. Then it goes, please show me your leg. Please show me your legs. Please show me your arm. Then it finally stopped. What the hell? What is this? The, the freaking gray alien of the Galactic Phone Sex Federation? This is weird. I didn't know what it wanted and I didn't want any experiments done to me, but I just stayed focused because, hey, we're not in Kansas anymore, folks. Yeah, you're not in Kansas, bro. You're in the galactic dark web of freaking phone sex. I adjusted my covers a little so I could be seen and be more comfortable. <laughs> just be more seen and just kind of slid a little ankle there. Like, okay, okay you want to see a little leg here? I'll show you my ship. Oh my gosh. Please, gray aliens, like, you're going to come visit me, man. Like, don't be weird like that, all right? All right, getting back to the email here. Um, so I could be more comfortable, but not like overly exposed, like I'm on a slab or anything like that. I explained to the gray alien, which I have yet to see, but I sense is in my small basement apartment, that if I looked at him and seen him, it could be dangerous if I was not relaxed and mentally prepared for it. This was just a token piece of knowledge I picked up from my reading, but you could sense it just being in that presence, even if it was out of sight or in the other room. I explained as best as I could that I was going to go ahead and let myself now fall asleep so I could be more relaxed and would then try to further my communications with it from there. I think I called it in the astral plane at that time. So from here, I'm not trying to waste it or my time. I close my eyes again and drift off straight to sleep. I hate to do this, but I'm going to skip the vivid lucid dream I began having. I feel like it is very important as well, but we can go over it at a later date than right now because I don't want you to be confused if I was awake or asleep for the important details I am telling you regarding the physical aspects of the encounter. Basically, I was awake the entire day up until the point that the alien stopped speaking and I had my, and I had my say and told it I was going to sleep. 
sorry for everybody listening um this amazing person must have been writing this in haste because some of it's just not grammatically correct okay <clears throat> i am no expert in lucid dreaming so i am still in the haze of dreaming but i am lucid now and decide to rise up into the air so it was a deja vu type epiphany where people in the dream repeated the same lines they had said before except now i was in a different position to them so it was like time repeated huh all right so he was having this lucid dream and then and then which was pretty wild and then he woke up and this is where i pick off so i forced myself awake completely up out of the dream into a sitting position in my bed I am on my left side of the bed. My girlfriend is asleep on her right side of the bed. Where the bed is positioned in the room, to my immediate left, I probably have three to four feet to the wall, between that wall and the bed on my side. Floating in that immediate area in the air, a couple feet away out of arm's reach, is a gray alien. He floated in the air like he had buoyancy in an invisible sea that I could not perceive. That's the fifth element, my guy. Um, it was almost identical in its kind of rhythmic, chaotic, yet soothing motion as the two orbs did from three days before. The best way to describe it is the movement of an apparition slash ghost from an animation bobbing up and down over and over their over and over their observer orb craft light thingy magigs <laughs> and the being itself both seemed to harness some anti-gravity control of similar type. I still don't know how it got inside my house without opening a door, but I knew it was there. <laughs> I love that. I don't know how this gray alien got into my house. I mean, I'm sure I locked the door. <laughs> uh, probably just floated through the walls, you know? Uh, so... Back to when I wake up, I force myself completely awake, so much so that I had sat up in bed and looked a couple feet away at this gray alien floating in the air there. I recognized the aspect in which it was floating and quickly identified it as the same as the orbs from three days ago. So I now have my eyes fixed completely on it, completely fixed on its two large almond-shaped eyes that take up over the vast majority of this thing's head. I don't mean to brag, but with an illustrator, I could probably get created, probably get creative and, and more accurate de depiction of a gray alien than even Whitley Stryber had done in his book Communion. Well, let's get this guy an illustrator. If you're an illustrator and would love to draw this dude's gray alien sex collar thing, hit me up. I focused on this guy and I collected as much information about its likeness and face as I could physically stand to before I turned away in fear to bury my face towards my girl who was asleep right there. The only thing I couldn't get a good look of was its body because it was wearing something darker there and the room was somewhat dark. Not too dark to see but too hard to pull in those details from my peripheral vision in that lighting because I am focused square on its head not moving my eyes for as long as human po humanly possible. It may sound weird how I'm describing it but just imagine it as I am describing it. Fully physical being I have been interacting with for an extended period of time now. It's not a whatever you would call it. It's a fucking clear cut out of the fucking box alien. I didn't get a real good look at whatever those or whatever nose, ears, or mouth it had either. They were very minimal. 
the main feature that stood out was giant black eyes that slant up a big elongated head. Now I would ask that you do not overshare the following detail <clears throat> overshare the following details because as far as I know I'm the only person in the world to ever attempt at documenting these and I would like my credit to be due one day. Okay, sir. Well, uh we're definitely going to give you credit if you'd like to be credited by name. Hit me up and I will share your name in the next episode. Okay, I sh I should have I should have everything down in chronological order here as I am telling it. So if you can understand my poor grammar and have it clear contextually in your mind, we can pour over finer details later. Just to recap the high points, I witnessed two small orb observer craft um, they were also verified by two other independent witnesses, Connor and the neighbor. This is one of the most important facts in this case because it is the only shared evidence. Everything that happened three days later was only experienced by myself. The two white balls of light that were witnessed were seen by three people in total in the immediate area at a distance I would hedge at of, at, of less than 50 feet. They having been witness to the events gives credence to my experience three nights later. Okay, so to recap, this gentleman uh, witnessed a huge um, orb when he was a kid, witnessed these two orbs later on that were witnessed by his neighbor and friend, and then three days later met this sexy, sleek, gray alien. All right. So, in closing, he says here, I don't think I was chosen. I just used readily available information to form a basis of knowledge that could then be built upon in a non-biased way to further my own greater understanding. That includes eliminating pitfalls that might hinder me or affect my own egoism. This is how all science works and the jungle gym game that major leading scientists play at downplaying a subject they have not been educated in is an all-too-common fallacy. Alright, so getting back to the alien. So, he was face-to-face -face with this alien, and he says, He had me in checkmate. In every last sense of the word. But he wasn't going to harm a hair on my head, and I knew that too. It's like, in a crazy sense of the world, we were as different as any two things could be, but we were the same at the same time. We both were respecting a moral code that came from somewhere in the fabric of all things that connected, uh, parentheses connects, us, but that was bigger than the both of us. He had a bigger brain and a better understanding, perhaps, and he was fucking grinning at me for a split second in time. My fight, my flight or fight response that had been bubbling through my veins and primitive brain had now hit the wall of this situation. He was probably thinking the same thing because I turned away from him briefly, seeking the comfort of my girlfriend who was still asleep beside me, and when I turned back, he had vanished instantaneously. He didn't pull out a gadget or press a button. He was just gone. Just like when he first arrived after my spell of, are you here to help or do you need my help? It was instantaneous. I bothered this damn poor alien feller for so long that he actually came down and tried communicating a message back to me. He let me see his naked eyes practically face to face or as close as humanly possible at this point of time in the human evolutionary record without an involuntarily, involuntarily violent reaction. I didn't have the ability to exactly read his thoughts from a distance like they apparently do to human beings. So he came to me, 
He spoke somehow in basic English through a medium into my skull that others were imperceptible of. He didn't say much, but he did prattle on endlessly until I understood what he meant. He did not mince words either, but patiently said his piece, and when I understood him, and he understood me, and we finally looked at each other in the eyes, that is the moment of understanding in which that fathomless bridge of souls was a small, passable ford. Whoa, man. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's like, you called him in, you are probably just bothering him, man. He was probably just out there watching TV in his gray alien world, and just kept, he was probably watching TV in his gray alien world, and all your telepathic, like, messages just kept, like, messing up his TV, like his TV was getting static, and he's just like, what the, banging on his TV, what's going on? He just kept seeing on his TV screen, do you need help? <laughs> do you want help? Call Allstate or Progressive or whatever, you know? Like, he was just like, he's just like in his alien world, just getting all these weird messages. He's like, you know what? Let me go stop this now. Hey, buddy, stop trying to contact me. You're messing up my Wi-Fi here. You know, anyways, that was an amazing story, man. Thank you for that. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode of Thursday Q&A. Again, if you have any inquiries or anything you'd like to share, please email me at contact at esotericeddy.com, which is also in the description with the subject line Thursday Q&A so I can swift through all the other messages or you can hit me up in a DM as well. And um, you can also send me voice notes too, voice messages on on dm or or audio messages through email and i can play those as well i'll try to get some kind of caller thing going eventually as well but anyways thank you for rocking with me man and and uh i love you all peace namaste